Good evening and welcome to the Aging Hipster Star Wars Rewatch. I am your host, Darth Bob Serrano. Listeners, we're out of the prequels and into the trilogy that launched a thousand merchandise lines. I am speaking, of course, of George Lucas's 1977 epic masterpiece, Star Wars for A New Hope. Toby, I usually start these episodes with a little cheeky banter like uh, fresh from screwing around with friends at Tashi Station or world's foremost authority in blue milk or the gold five to my gold leader. But I don't have that today. Instead, I have nothing but gratitude. Toby, we have suffered through nine hours of Gungans, hazy politics and child romances. And I feel like we received our just desserts because this week we rewatched my favorite movie of all time, Star Wars. Toby. We deserve this movie. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Dude, I'm so pumped to go to do this movie after that <laughs> pile of trash that, that we just got through. It's like the, you remember Shawshank Redemption where Ten Robbins character like uh, just like swims through the sewers and it comes <laughs> out and just like smelling like roses. It's, it's, it's yeah. kind of like that. He's got his suit and shoes. That's where we're at. We just put on our suit and shoes. Yeah, exactly. And we have a special guest today, Cody Lockhart. Cody, we had your brother Drake on last time, and now we're bringing his older brother on for episode four. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. All right, Cody. So we finished up the prequels last week, but I'm interested in what what are your thoughts about the prequels? I actually really like the prequels. Um they came out right when I was nine years old. Oh, and so he made them for you, George Lucas. That's is what like, I'm saying. I mean, Cody's movie. Star Wars was it's a movie for nine year olds. So yeah. when when Phantom Menace came out, it was just perfect. To a double bladed lightsaber, who could have ever conceived of such a thing? It blew our minds. It was <laughs> it was everything we needed. Is like a fourteen year old being interested in a nine year old? Whoever would have thought that? <laughs> you mean you've got a chance? Lucas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny it's because Drake felt the same way, where he really liked them too. And then, when as you got a little bit older, did your kind of like of them kind of wane at all? Did you kind of like, oh, this is kind of silly? They did get silly, but I mean, it's. To me, it's Star Wars. I mean, it's yeah. it's still Star Wars. It's still it's it's space magic. You know, I mean, it's and I mean, I the reason he did what he did was because there were complaints about the original trilogy, and now that there were complaints about the prequel trilogy, we've got the sequel trilogy that you guys will be reviewing soon, and there's a whole new slew of complaints. So it's really it's like if you like it, if you don't like it, then I mean, make your own movie. You know, mm-hmm. if it's that easy. Oh, and Star Wars fans have tried. Oh, they yeah. have tried. Yeah, and they <laughs> always they always turn out to be such marvelous works. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for coming on. Before we kick things off, let's take care of some business. First, uh, I just kind of want to appreciate those that do listen to this show. I know there's not a lot of you. I mean, Cody doesn't even <laughs> listen. But I want you to know <laughs> that those who are listening are incredibly valued. Couple times this, uh, a couple times a week, I hear people say nice things about this uh, passion project of ours. I think Toby and I would be here chatting away regardless, but it's nice to entertain a few people here and there. Thanks a lot for listening. And while you're listening, please subscribe, recommend to friends, strangers, rate and review the Aging Hipster Network. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, a bunch of other apps. If we are not found on the app you regularly use, please let me know and I'll get 
to work on them. And also, there's a Facebook group up. Cody does not has not joined that either, but <laughs> you can, and you can get updates as to more episodes and all that kind of stuff. And you may email us at aginghipsternetwork at gmail.com. So you can email all of your Star Wars questions, and we'll read it on air and give it our non-experty takes. And so without further ado, Toby, please take us back to a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yes, so this was a time of simple and sweet, good versus evil. The story of how a kid from the country rises to intergalactic fame. It starts with Princess Leia hiding the plans for the Death Star, the the deadliest weapon in the history of the galaxy. Uh, She stores them in the CD-ROM in R2-D2, who then escapes capture by the Empire and goes looking for General Obi-Wan Kenobi, um, on his way, R2 picks up C-3PO and Luke Skywalker. Then they pick up, uh, you know, get get uh, Obi-Wan. They pick up Han Solo and Chewbacca. Awesomeness ensues. Uh, Obi-Wan gets killed, creating a diversion. Uh, and then finally they get the plans to Leia. Luke destroys the Death Star, but not before Han Solo clears the path for him. Um, and then finally they all win major awards. Except for Chewbacca, which we're going to get into. <laughs> I I was really um, I was really kind of thinking about renaming this entire thing called and call it Justice for Chewie because uh, I I really feel that Chewie has been really underserved by this entire movie like saga the franchise. So got a couple axes to grind today. All but, right, <laughs> all right, so. The last trilogy, we did a bunch of bad readings of clunky dialogue, but this time I kind of wanted to change things up a bit. I wanted to go over our favorite scenes of the movie. So I'm going to go first, and so I chose for my favorite scene as the Battle of Yavin. You know, I just it's one of those things, like, I love the entire thing. And when I was young, when I first watched it, I think it, like, pretty much exploded my little boy brain. It was just like... It was just everything I was ever looking for in a movie. And so I daydreamed for many years, and this is true, that I always thought I was the last Y-Wing uh, pilot that escaped with them. Because there's Wedge, there's Luke, there's Han, and the other one, like, who knows? But um, I don't know. The whole thing I thought was really awesome. All the people like Porkins and Gold 5. Uh, I just loved the whole thing. And I think a lot, of, you know, looking at kind of reading about what George, how George shot that. He used a lot of World War II footage, and I was already kind of a big fan of like those war movies like uh, The Battle of Midway and Tora, 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 and all that kind of stuff. So it's like I was already really familiar with that, and I think it also made the entire scene and sequence just just probably the best like kind of space fight scene I've ever seen. I don't mm. know. What do you guys think about that scene? Uh- well, you know, like, um, so in that Blockbuster podcast that you mentioned in the previous episode, um, yeah. they talk about how it took two years just to build the technology to film that scene. And so wow. basically George Lucas had this idea to, uh, he, he said, you know, we watched all the old space movies and the ships always look rickety because they're on strings. Um, and they had the ships flying around the camera. And he's like, what if we built a robotic camera and like, 
you know, had the camera go over the, the ship rather than vice versa. And in part of that, they built like an enormous or enormous scale model so that the camera could, you know, get, um, get the footage they want. So that was one thing, like just to d achieve what he achieved was like a huge feat and an expensive one technologically. Um, but I'm with you, man, that, that scene, I mean, all those space scenes are, uh, top notch. Even today they hold up. What do you think, Cody? Oh, I love the battle. Um, like Bob said, with the the influence on Second World War is is pretty big. It's just, I mean, it's it's an iconic scene. It's just fantastic. You know, I mean, it's it gets you excited. There's there's death. You know, I mean, it, it keeps you engaged. You know, because even at that last moment, you're like, oh, I mean, Luke, Luke's almost dead here. Is this how it really ends? And it's just, it's a great bit of storytelling. The other thing about that scene, it became uh, the, the basis for one of the most popular uh, early arcade games. Exactly. It, oh, you know, yeah. I remember that one. And so we got a question from a listener. It has to do with the scene from Pat C. And so his question is a trivia for us. So I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you guys. Well, okay. So how many ships attacked the Death Star and how many returned? Toby. Oh, gosh. I feel like I only saw like 12, but it had to be like hundreds, right? Cody, do you know? Uh, I also know, so I was not going to spoil it for you. It is not hundreds. Cody, how many is it? Um, the actual numbers were 30. Yeah, 30 small craft. Okay. Three squadrons, Toby. Okay. There is, there is gold, which is the Y-wings, eight Y-wings, and then red and green. You don't actually hear about green. But uh, red is around. I think there's like, I don't know, 12 each of those guys or 10 it, and 12. It was uh, 12 for red squadron and green squadron was an incomplete squadron of 10. Come on, Toby. We're gonna, I'm going to kick you <laughs> off this. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. So, but how many returned? I gave it away already, unfortunately. Only three. Is it only three? Is that right? Of, yep, the, of the fighters who went up, only three returned. Wow. Which is actually, if you think about it, it's a pretty, they got decimated. Yeah. You know? So there is Wedge because, you know, Wedge got out of the, the alley because he got hit in the, in the engines. Mm -hmm. There is a random Y wing that I always thought was me, but <laughs> it was not me. Uh, that was also there. And there's Han, and those are the only ships that returned. All right, Toby, what's your favorite scene? What do you, what do you have? I like when they, uh, they're in the jail breaking out princess leia and yep. han is doing his uh co comedy bit you know where he's uh <laughs> they're like you know they just blast the place to all hell kill everybody and then uh you know the, whoever's in charge like the the manager one level up is like calls into the, the intercom he's like what's going on in there and han solo is like ah, everything's good here all's cool how are you <laughs> and he like cringes uh, I, I, that. I read in preparation that to that during that scene, Harrison Ford just didn't even learn his lines <laughs> for that scene, just so it could be really kind of spontaneous. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that too. And then a little bit after that is another one of my favorite scenes, like it when Han like runs after the Star Troopers and stuff. He's like, ah, I <laughs> right. always thought that was like one of the best. Yeah, then they yeah. chase him back. <laughs> yeah, and poor <laughs> Chewie funny. once again, he's just like, what's going on? Uh, like, right, Chewie. Oh, man. Okay, how about you, Cody? Uh, I think my favorite scene might be the very first scene, the uh, 
Tantive Four getting sucked up underneath. I think it's Devastator, and then the the fight through the hallway to oh, capture yes. the Rebel ship and hopefully find the plans before they can escape. Uh, it's just again, it just it gets the excitement going right off the bat. I mean, literally, the first thing that happens is flashes across the screen as as this star battle, starship battle, uh, you know, explodes around you. Now, I read somewhere, and I don't know if you know if this is true or not, Cody, but originally, like, they had two options for the the model of the Millennium Falcon. So one is obviously the one that we know today, but the other one is actually that, uh, whatever you want, the Tanda 4. It looked very it, similar. Yeah, something like that. So I thought that was pretty Yeah, pretty the original, one of the, uh, some of the early um, Ralph McQuarrie concept art has a ship that very much looks like the Tantive Four on a much smaller scale with a very similar cockpit to what the Falcon ended up having, but all in like a center line arrangement as opposed to the flying uh, saucer that we've come to know and love. All right, so let's get into some categories. So the budget was $11 million, which I think originally Toby might have to back me up. Originally, it was supposed to be eight, right? No, and then it was, it was three, three million. And, oh. uh, and that was part of why George Lucas was uh, super stressed about this and why he actually got out of directing for decades is because it was just too much. He kept going over. He kept having to go back and ask for more money. They kept saying no. And <laughs> it was just a huge pain in his neck. And then opening weekend happened, and it made one point five million, which is a which I guess is pretty good. But then I think it exploded. I actually don't know the story about how how it got bigger and bigger. But in the end, it made four hundred sixty million dollars in the U.S. and seven hundred seventy five million dollars worldwide, and and that's in nineteen seventy seven dollars. Yeah. So here's some a bit of trivia. Um, yeah. Uh, so it was the first movie released. Well, it was released on a Wednesday. So normally they would release them on a Friday, mm-hmm. um, but they were so concerned. They thought it was going to be a bust. Like the studio had already written it off as a bust. And they said, we're only going to let you, they had another movie coming down the pipeline that we've never heard of that they thought was going to be a huge hit. Um, and they said, we're only going to let you get this big movie. If you play star Wars as well to all the theaters. And so they, they twisted a bunch of arms and they only, it only launched on 30 screens like in the U S because nobody wanted it. And they like Mm -hmm. just forced people to take it. (laughs) So 30 screens launched it. And um, before you know it, we're all buying the toys and making George Lucas rich. Yep. But that kind of explains the one and a half million opening weekend. Yeah. Cause it was only on 30 screens. Okay. Let's get into some trivia. Okay, so this is some stuff that I pulled from the dependable internet. So the first one is the name Wookiee came about as a result of an accident. When uh, San Francisco DJ Terrence McGovern was doing voiceover work for TH 1138 for George Lucas, he made a blunder and exclaimed, I think I ran over a Wookiee back there. And so this guy just made up the name Wookiee and George Lucas took it. Um, along with him. All right, here's another trivia. This is what you're kind of talking about. He was so George Lucas is so sure that this thing would flop that instead of attending the premiere, he went on vacation to Hawaii with his good friend Steven Spielberg, 
and during that time came up with the idea for Raiders of the Lost Ark. So they're actually kind of really firing from the hip there. Uh, similar in there, in, right in there too, George Lucas and uh, is it Francis Ford Coppola who did uh, Apocalypse Now? George Lucas had a hand in Apocalypse Now as well, right in that time frame. They were all just doing stuff together. And mm-hmm. Harrison Ford makes a very brief appearance in Apocalypse Now as well. Uh. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. All right. Um, what are some other things that ran across? Okay, so in the first drafts of the script, R2-D2 could speak standard English, and he had a rather foul vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> Although his uh, speech was removed, many of C-3PO's reactions were left in. So that's pretty interesting, I thought. Oh, the Chewbacca suit retained a, a bad smell for the duration of filming after the trash <laughs> compactor scene. So oh, God. <laughs> that would suck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And so one of the things that I heard a lot was Alec Guinness uh, really didn't like Star Wars. You got, Have no. you guys heard that as well? Yeah. So he, he really didn't. But here's the thing. He owned 2% of the movie uh, that was like his in addition to being that 15, he was paid 15 times more than the next highest actor. And he got 2% of the movie to be in it. And he hated every second of it. Right. And I, and I read something that it is like, it's, it's a complicated thing. He kind of, I think one of the things that really made him hate it was that he was written off so quickly, like, and he was killed off and he was hanging out with a bunch of young kids. Well, the way they, yeah, it was probably that latter. Cause the way that they put it in that, um, that blockbuster podcast was, George Lucas was doing rewrites on the set and like towards the middle of the filming, he's like, okay, Alec, we've decided to kill off Obi-Wan Kenobi because that wasn't in the works until filming." (laughs) and Alec's like, are you effing serious? Like this decision should have been made months ago. Like you're, this is a huge plot twist. Like he wasn't pissed that they were killing him off as much as like you amateurs. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Oh, I pulled down a quote that he wrote to a friend. Toby, did you want to read it? And, and Alec Guinness, you see that? It says, new rubbish. New rubbish dialogue reaches me every other day on the wedges of pink paper, and none of it makes my character clear or even bearable. I just think, thankfully, of the lovely bread, which will help me keep going until next April. I must off to the studio and work with a dwarf. Very sweet, and he has a wash in his bidet. And your fellow countryman, Mark Hamill, Tennyson, that can't be right. Ford, Ellison, no. Well, a rangy, languid young man who is probably intelligent and amusing. But, oh, God, God, they make me feel 90 and treat me as if I was 106. Oh, the actor's name is Harrison Ford. Ever heard of him? <laughs> uh, by the way, that, that 2% stake is, uh, I'm guessing, was worth thirty over $30 million. Basically. Wow. Uh, you know, and that was in 1977 dollars for you know a few months of filming. <laughs> and he was already Sir Alec Guinness, right. which yeah. clearly he wasn't yeah. hard up. No, right. and, and I read a bunch of stuff how like um, Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, they were having a lot of fun on the set because they're <laughs> all young and stuff. But they were right. definitely they definitely cleaned up their acts when Sir Alec was around, and that's pr- probably what. He was just like, why are you treating me like this? Because they were just so nervous to be around like a, <laughs> like a knighted actor, you know? And they're just right. like all just playing grab ass around Tunisia, <laughs> you know? 
Well, and surely they thought it was, well, they were probably having fun. Maybe they had no idea, but maybe mm-hmm. they also knew that it was just a shit production, you know, like, <laughs> like a shit show out there, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, well, I heard some, it, there's a famous line that Harrison Ford said to George Lucas, right? When he just like, it was it something basically like you wrote it, but you don't have to say it. You know, like try, like try saying this shit. Yeah. Try, you know? try reading some of your dialogue. Yeah. He, he got a little bit of trouble for that. It's funny though, but the reason that Harrison Ford even got on the movie was he was a, he was helping build sets. He was just a carpenter on, on the uh, set design and was helping put together, you know, background and stuff like that. And they had him stand in for some line reading and George had actually decided he didn't want to use Harrison Ford because he'd already used him, I believe in THX 1138. He was was, an American graffiti. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. He was an American graffiti and he wanted to avoid, he was trying to use mostly new actors. Um, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, I believe were basically unknown at the time Mm -hmm. and was pretty set on not hiring Harrison Ford, but with his line reading that he managed to, I guess, seal the deal. Another interesting thing about George Lucas and this entire Star Wars thing. So he gets insanely rich off this whole thing. But it seems like it was a really damaging process. Because uh, so during like around 2004, he sent like a letter. No, in 2010, he sent a letter to the guys that were the executive producers of Lost. And congratulating him on the show's end and stuff. And it says, don't tell everyone anyone but when star wars first came out i didn't know where it was going either the trick is to pretend you've planned the whole thing out in advance throw in some father issues and references to other stories let's call them homages and you've got a series so this is the thing that bothers me this is a george lucas character flaw like he's so nobody buys it like he he (laughs) he he he, the way if you hear him in interviews he he acts like he had this whole thing all planned out and like it's just like transparent like like he's just got issues like he can't admit that like he doesn't know what's happening you know well and he had i mean he definitely had a rough plan i've read some of the very very early drafts of star wars when it was like the star wars and there wasn't a Chewbacca. Han Solo was the Chewbacca character. He was going to be an alien and the sidekick, like the roguish character. And it was General Skywalker. And there were there's, there was a definite story he was trying to tell, but he totally went off the rails so many times. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like, like Robert Zemeckis, who was uh, Steven Spielberg's assistant at the time, uh, he did Back to the Future. And there's, if you listen to the commentary for Back to the Future, at the end of Back to the Future 1, Marty, the doc, and Marty's girlfriend get in the car. And in the commentary, he's like, you know, like we didn't know we were going to make a second movie. We would have never put the girlfriend in the car if we had known there was a second movie coming. <laughs> and that's the sort of thing George Lucas uh, will never admit to. Right? Oh, his continuity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah, back then they they didn't make a lot of sequels. So. It kind of it's kind of interesting. And that's an interesting thing that we'll talk in a little bit about the continuity aspect. Because then not only just he made this movie not knowing he's going to make any other ones, he made three three of these and then he went back and rewrote everything in the beginning and it's just it's all over the place, you know. And also yeah. despite having an already established universe within the books, which a lot of people forget about. Right. 
Okay, uh, a couple a couple last things that I thought was pretty interesting. So James Earl Jones put in less than a day's work uh, for his voiceover work. He was given seventy five hundred dollars and did it all in about two and a half hours. Wow! I think in the first release he wasn't even listed on the credits at all because I think James Earl Jones. I think I read something that he felt like he just didn't work hard enough and he just didn't want to get pigeonholed or something. And what's also pretty interesting is that the guy who actually was in the Darth Vader suit got really pissed off because I don't know if he exactly knew that he redid all of like Oh no, right. yeah. He right. thought he was used that his voice lines were going into the movie and was pretty ticked. Yeah, then it was just like this, who's this? The same thing happened to Dot Matrix in Spaceballs. Uh oh really? It, yeah, whoever was the, the actor in that, um, she did all the lines and then they got Joan Rivers to overdub them all later. <laughs> and she found out like on release, you know, like she's like, What? Uh okay, and then I also saw that Lucas initially planned on making some extreme casting choices. Um I think we talked about before uh Cody, you talked a little bit about it. Like what I think if I remember originally Han Solo is supposed to be like a green alien with no nose. Yeah, and Luke, yeah, it's supposed to look kind of fishy. Yeah. Luke was originally Star Killer, not Star That's what it uh, was. Skywalker. Yeah, General Star Killer. Killer. Yep. Um so he toyed around with ideas of many different casting variations at points during pre production. He flirted with the idea of casting only African American actors then possibly using only Japanese actors, such as Toshiro Mifune as Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I think would be pretty amazing. Would have been fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, since so much of this is based on his love of Kurosawa's work, you know, with the Hidden Fortress and all that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. and the Seven Samurai. And then possibly using only little people, which obviously he decided to make into Ewoks. Um, of the latter, Lucas said, I think that idea was a little influenced by Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you think? Just a little? <laughs> it's a bunch of space hobbits. So, <laughs> oh man. Sometimes, like, George Lucas is almost like the accidental, like, nerd king, you know? Like, yeah. it's so much he just, like, somehow managed to make, get, like, these movies done. And they were so beloved. And everything else seems like, it's all in spite of him, you know, right. almost, you know, like, yeah. cause sometimes his vision is just completely crazy, but maybe that's just, uh, what, what's good about it. Okay. Let's get into some reactions, both critics and our own. A uh, couple critics' reactions. Unfortunately, Toby, there was no George uh, Joe Morgenstern from <laughs> the Wall Street Journal. About that, he wasn't yeah. born yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think he was. He's a quite an old man, but I couldn't find him for this. But Roger Ebert, a favorite of us, uh, Chicago natives, says mm-hmm. Lucas fills the screen with loving touches. Seeing the film the first time, I was swept away, and have remained swept ever since. And then Ad Murphy from Variety said, "A magnificent film." George Lucas set out to make the biggest possible adventure fantasy out of his memories of serials and older action epics, and he succeeded brilliantly. What was your reaction when you first saw it, and did it change at all during your rewatch? I don't remember first seeing it. I mean, it's been part of my life since I remember. Um, uh, I mean, it's a great movie. It holds up. Uh, It hasn't gotten worse. It's, you know... 
it's a great one. It's a, and it's one, you know, it's one for the ages, like similar to like back to the future. And, um, and in a good way, like I would say like teen wolf, very watchable today, but it's like watchable <laughs> for being even more campy. <laughs> this is equally as awesome as the first day it was made. All right. And Cody. Oh, I'm in the same boat. I still love watching it. I, most of my friends hate watching it with me because I can quote the movie back and forth and sideways and drives them crazy. So here's something that um, kind of came up as in terms of reactions, because I think both Toby and I watched a special edition version re- for this mm-hmm. one. Uh, I I tried to get the original one, but I just, for various reasons, couldn't watch anything but the special edition. And, you know, I watched it the other day, and man, we were kind of talking about it, Toby. There is, like, a bunch of stuff that just, like... So it came out in 1997, and it's like the 20-year anniversary, and George seemed like he's like, I got all this cool stuff with Lucasfilm, like industrial like light and magic or whatever. I could do all this stuff, and he kind of just like drew over the film, and then that's what he did. Like, there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't make any sense. Like, for instance, like the Han running scene, like he runs, and then he goes, and there's just like I think he inputted like an entire room full of stormtroopers. They don't oh, I move, noticed that. right? Like yeah. it looks so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, know? the room was way, way bigger and more full to to give it like more of an impact. Like the room yeah. he runs in full of thirty guys wasn't. I mean, thirty guys or one hundred and thirty guys, you're still gonna die. Right. But those hundred and thirty guys don't move. They're right, all just like, standing there yeah, in exactly. formation. It just looks worse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all that painting work he did. Like, it's like he, as you said, Bobby, it's like he took existing scenes and just drew obviously computer animated stuff on top, had them walking and groaning. (laughs) And there was one scene where like a robot like hits, uh, there's like a a robot bug thing. And then another robot like punches it. And you're just Mm -hmm. like, what is going on here? Oh, and those uh, animals on Tatooine, like there's the Brachiosaurus and there's like the little lizard things that are just like going around. The Ronto and the Dewbacks. Yep. Yeah. It's just, it's an, an example from a later movie of this, like in the original where he did it right. Remember that little, there's like a little, uh, they're on the death star and like, and I think maybe the next movie and like, there's like this little robot, like the mouse droid and it like do, gets do, afraid. Do, do. Yeah. It gets afraid and it runs the other way. Like that's great. Like great use, old school technology. It's funny. You know, <laughs> this, yeah. this stuff adds nothing like right. other than he, I don't know. Like why would you do it other than to prove that you could, I think it might've been, he was testing some of the technology that would later go in. Cause if that was released in 97 oh, and Phantom Menace Phantom was released Menace. two years later, they were working on Phantom Menace already, you know, especially with as much uh, um, CGI went into the Phantom Menace, they would have had to have been. True. So it might've been a technology demonstration. Cause they put in Jabba, right? They put in Jabba right. over it, like, which is probably well, a- and those actually, and that's the other thing he had filmed a lot of scenes with the intention of going back over with later technology because those Java scenes were filmed in 76 or 75 or whatever he would have been filming. So he had those scenes, some of the scenes he did intend to go back over and retouch with better technology, but kind of the way he did it, I agree was not, yeah, I mean, it's like the dewbacks. The things that the stormtroopers ride super impractical and they just seem like a way to sell more toys. Right. You know, and like it was, yeah. that like seems like very clear monetization where, um, the, Chub- or not, I'm sorry, the, uh, job of the hut scene was 
it kind of adds to the story a little bit. What I don't get is like, it's not like the Rolling Stones are going back and like fixing the solo on satisfaction, you know, like, <laughs> like adding background vocals to, you know, sympathy for the devil, you know, like it's just a strange move to go and retouch, you know, retouch classic movies. <laughs> right. And, I mean, I yeah. And it's, it's like the heavy handed way he seems to go about it too. It's not like, so, you're not, you're not taking out maybe a piece of equipment in the background or you're not making a scene more. You're changing a scene in a lot of cases. Yeah. It is kind of ham fisted. Now I have a question. Do you think that the guy that played Jabba in 1975 or whatever, did he know that he was going to be taken out later? Probably not. Right. Oh, Probably. I bet not. I think George oh, Lucas is terrible for actors like for <laughs> that. David pros, the Darth Vader guy. Yeah. Like, any actor that goes through George Lucas's universe ends up like almost hating life. It seems like, except for like Harrison Ford. Well, yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, all that's true. <laughs> He's like a buzzsaw for actors, you know, <laughs> uh, go ahead, Toby. Did you have anything else? Oh, I was thinking you, we had talked about, you know, did that actor know? Of course not. Like um, <laughs> when they filmed it, they, so in the new retouched version that Bob and I watched from 1997, uh, Han Solo like steps on the t- on uh, the tail of uh, mm-hmm. Jabba the Hutt, but that was all digitally remastered. That whole stepping sequence, they had to like do a huge, you know, George is like, look what I can do. I can make him step on a tail. <laughs> oh, man. All right, it's time for listener questions. And so the first one we're going to run into is that we got a lot of questions about the whole continuity thing. So he makes all these prequels, and it doesn't exactly all match up. And so one question is came from Shane. says, uh, did it bother you how much the prequels did not match up to the New Hope story? Because it bothered the F out of me. Toby? Uh, I mean... This is like just George Lucas BS. Like yeah. it, it bothers me in the sense that like if you're going to spend a hundred million dollars making a movie, why not make it consistent? Well, like <laughs> this is the sort of inconsistencies you find in our Laddie Brown movies, you know? <laughs> like, right. Uh, How about you, Cody? Yeah. Certain things definitely bugged me. Um, you can have this like galaxy spanning, uh, basically religion of the Jedi, and then 20 years later, people think they're like some long lost mythical, you know, most people have never heard of them. And Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's just it's it stuff like that. There's definitely like there he meant for there to be a larger gap, I think, in between the, the prequels and the originals at some stage in his planning, uh, like with uh, Obi-Wan's age, like. Alec yeah. Guinness, 20 years younger, would not be fighting in the front lines of a war, <laughs> Jedi powers or no. No, that's that's right. It's almost like he intended Obi-Wan to be like 400 years old, kept alive by the... Maybe, They're, I don't well, know. They make mention of it, though. Like, Darth Vader, when he's talking to Grand Moff Tarkin, you know, he's like, Grand Moff is like, Obi-Wan is still alive? Isn't he old? And and Darth Vader says, don't underestimate the power of the Force. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. But Luke and Leia are only like 20 years old. Yeah, I mean, like, not, I think they're like 19, 18 years old at the beginning. But it implies that Obi Wan would have been a lot older in the prequels. Right. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, that, that he should have been a more middle aged man in the prequels mm-hmm. than, you know, late 20s, maybe mm-hmm. very early 30s. 
Like they should like the clone. I don't know. Oh man, now it's starting to bother me. But before, like <laughs> I was like totally gave it a free pass. <laughs> like it was like it's all like I just like uh, chalked it up to crazy Uncle George doing mm-hmm. crazy stuff. You know, like making uh, outrageous claims. But now it's just sort of like that does kind of seem really well, whack. But it's kind of like only in hindsight. Like, like yeah. it's a great movie, and then like George goes and like does stuff today, <laughs> and you're like you know it kind of ruins the magic a little bit and you're just like right. george just close your mouth stop making movies you know okay let's let's play a little game right now and catalog some of the inconsistencies okay so we talked about the whole age thing uh i wrote down r2d2 has not had his memory wiped at <laughs> all they they told c3po that he was getting his memory wiped so i get it like he doesn't remember anything but r2d2 ends up in he has all these adventures and stuff and ends up in uh Tatooine and just promptly remembers nothing. Like even Obi Wan be like, Hey, remember? And also Obi Wan, he doesn't remember like R two D two. So do you think here's another question with about that. Did C three PO and R two D two go to the Lars family's place like with Anakin and Padme? Do you remember? Uh oh, question. Did I they? think they are there. I think at least C-3PO is. I think at the time, R2 might be with... Anakin. Wait, in the they're, ship. They're... R2 was in the ship, I think, because he was sending oh. the message back and forth. Oh, uh, yeah. C-3PO might have been there with... <laughs> God. Yeah, the, the inconsistencies <laughs> grow as you think about them. I mean, Do you guys... Can you guys think of any? Uh, do you want me to read the list yeah, <laughs> that I mean, you've generated here? Well, I want you guys to be spontaneous. Do you want me to go through my my list? There's the uh, and this one has been kind of back, like explained through um, retcons. But the level of like technological development in the prequels seems much more like I mean, I, I, it just everything seems more streamlined. Everything seems. I mean, it's like you're looking at two different universes between the prequel and the original trilogy with the way ships look, the way technology looks, how sleek and small and compact everything feels like in the prequel trilogy, whereas the original trilogy, I mean, it almost seems like, you know, 1970s in space. You know, I I think we talked about the last episode with Drake where I think we thought it kind of made sense in the fact that this like technology kind of continuing to decrease almost like kind of like the foundation series that from Asimov or something where you reach this technological kind of summit. And then after that, it just sort of slowly deteriorates, which I kind of can see and I can kind of buy into, but I think, I think Toby and I were talking before about, uh, we're talking about those like lizard things that they're riding around. And it's like one of those things where you can fly the death star from like Alderaan to you know Yavin in about twelve hours, but your stormtroopers are still riding lizards around town. <laughs> yeah, like giant lizards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Toby, do you have any thoughts? Um, yeah, you know, like all that's true, and and it's like another example of like I feel like the only reason we even think of it is because George Lucas screwed up with the continuity. You yeah. know, like like the the ships. There's something that happens with whatever metal they're using in outer space that makes them deteriorate, you know, <laughs> like, or maybe it's, you know, going through atmospheres. Like it's, it's strange that the ships are so pristine uh, in the prequels. Right. They're very shiny, like the Nabooians mm-hmm. or Nabu ones. Nubian. Nubian. And, uh, you know, if we're going to go down that 
thread, like, and say, you know, I, I disagree. Like, I think like the empire is gaining power, strength, money, funding, yeah. like they're going to have shinier ships in the, in the future, you know? They painted them dull white though. They didn't paint <laughs> right. them shiny. Okay. Right. So a, a few more ones that I, I wrote down. This one you brought up, I think last one is that Luke is using a Skywalker name. <laughs> Right. So don't they have databases like right. be like- Yeah, and the Sith has no you know like surely Darth Vader is like the leading Sith could find his child with the share you know, hasn't changed his name, you know, like <laughs> uh, Okay, and here's another one. So I wrote down so Chewbacca doesn't mention that he knows Yoda from from the episode the third movie, <laughs> Chewie famously kind of goes out there and like sends Yoda on to Dantooine or something. Mm-hmm. And so he has this whole thing and meets Obi-Wan and yada, 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 the last Jedi Knight. And don't you think he's like, you know what? I met somebody once. His name is Yoda. Do you know him at all? Yeah. Right. Grandmaster of the Jedi Order. You guys ever? Small talk? guy. Yeah. Green. Yeah. Right. Speaks funny. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, do you guys, can you guys think of any other ones? I, I was thinking, and, and this has to do with the remastered ones that we watched yeah. from 1997. Like the stormtroopers, after they land on the planet, are like strangely dirty. Like, <laughs> like all of a sudden they're very dirty. And I'm like, if they just landed on this sandy planet, they wouldn't have dirt all over their. Like it's like ground into their suits, like on their butts and their yeah. legs, and like you, you know they wouldn't be dirty like that. They just landed. They're walking around you know, with their plastic whatever metal suit. <laughs> yeah. oh man all right we got another question comes from katie and alex how long was ben going to wait to to ever talk to luke in episode (laughs) three he said he was going to he's going to tatooine to look after him what do you guys think right so he was looking after him because he knew about luke and luke seemed to know of him so like you'd think like they probably talked or luke went trick-or-treating over there once or twice (laughs) i think it's explained that um Enough people on Tatooine are sort of aware of who old Ben Kenobi is that he's kind of shunned. And Owen Lars, like, obviously knows exactly who he is and is actively trying to prevent Luke from talking to this crazy old wizard guy who has these visions of uh, a great destiny for Luke. He just wants him, he's trying to avoid him going down the same path that his father did kind of unknowingly is again because as far as the, most of the galaxy knows anakin skywalker dies and then darth vader kind of shows up around the same time and i think it's owen lars trying to keep luke out of the out of danger you know just trying to keep him a normal country boy yeah you know what one thing i wonder i think all that's true um and does does obi-wan know that anakin survived because he, he Obi Wan mm-hmm. leaves him burning on that planet, and he looks like he's dead. You know, I think he, I think he is aware that uh, Vader didn't die. And how is he aware? Uh, uh, I believe I think in in the books it was explained that he never felt Anakin die in the Force, and because mm-hmm. they had been master and apprentice, their connection was pretty strong. And they even mm-hmm. hinted that in uh, in A New Hope when. Vader kind of mutters, I've not felt this since then right. just kind of wanders off. He trails off and then wanders off. <laughs> yeah. So even 20 years later, it's still a bond that can be, you know, with all the hatred and malice that, that Vader feels for Obi-Wan, it's still a bond that can be, you know, felt. 
Yeah, right. I, it's just I, like people on Facebook looking at your old <laughs> girlfriends and stuff, yeah, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> one thing about that, like, in, it's an inconsistency where, like, you don't get the sense that Obi-Wan had a lot of strong feelings for, you know, Vader, you know? Uh, in this movie, you don't. You know, he mentions it to Luke, like, hey, we are good friends. and yet, But, like, when he actually faces him, he's like, you're a master of evil, Darth, you know? Like, yeah. it's kind of cold. and Yeah, I mean, it, now it does... It, when you first saw it, it didn't seem that that weird, but exactly, now yeah. that you went through and made three uh, movies about how they're bros, like then it becomes a little bit more weird. Yeah. Okay, and here's this is a very famous question that has come up: Who shot first, Han, uh, Han Solo or Greedo? This uh, came from multiple people. Han Solo shot first. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> Toby. Well, yeah, Han. I mean, he, you know, George remade the scene like after the in 1997. All of a sudden, it's like it's not clear, but it was very clear before 1997. So the correct answer is everything's right because I think at first it was Han, then it was Greedo who shot first. He made it so for like ratings things because I guess to get like a PG or something, like Solo had to be defending himself, and then the last cut they shot at the same time okay uh, another question from nick m why not more porkins why not more porkins cody you know i couldn't tell you he really should have had more screen time unfortunately is the first to die i, I always liked uh gold five that was always my guy because he's always like stay on target stay on target yeah, he knew what his mission was he was gonna get it done and it's kind of interesting because a lot of those uh pilots actually had pretty normal names like that one guy like gold leader his name was like john dutch vander and like it's not that crazy and so it's not like uh george lucas is like he's just taking the uh, scrabble board and like shaking it up and stuff like that (laughs) seeing what he gets yeah is clear is that a nickname or is that's his name like his last (laughs) no (laughs) i i think it was a nickname again this is all i'm really well read on the books but his name was jack uh actually it might have been porkins was his name now (laughs) now i'm now i'm now i can't remember what it was Uh, my name is billy porkins i'm here to (laughs) fly for the rebellion okay from nikki m what if anything do you misremember about a scene or forget was it that was in the movie you guys anything well and that's where the um Special editions will mess me up because, I mean, for years, I mean, for, you know, nine years for me, it was the, well, I guess, seven years, it was just Star Wars. And then in 97, they came out with a new version of Star Wars. So I do find myself misremembering across the movies, like what what happened when, maybe, or certain scenes. There there was one, one thing that uh, I don't know if, if this was, I, th- I imagine this was probably all of them and not just in the special edition, but um, the first scene where Luke opens the lightsaber and turns it on, mm-hmm. um, it's like, it actually looks like a blade, like a big sword. Mm. Like it's, it's like, a, you know, I've got a flat edge. Um, and I noticed that, but then in, when Obi-Wan fights, it's, you know, uh, and when he's in the, the Millennium Falcon doing his like robot, robo defense training, <laughs> Like it's it's no longer a blade, um, so I don't know if that was like intentional by George or not. Next question from George F. Why didn't Chewie get a medal? Racism? Question mark. Toby. I didn't even know. It never occurred to me that Chewie didn't. So I always assumed he. 
Hello. Okay, we're back. Toby, you're so angry about <laughs> Chewbacca's uh, <laughs> uh, whatever is going yeah. on. The discrimination going against the Wookiees that you hung up exactly. and now you're back. Exactly. So, yes, he doesn't have a, a medal. And what's funny is because I posted this question on some sort of Facebook group just as I was looking for questions and stuff. And this other guy is a podcast one. I forgot what it was. And he just, and he's like, Oh, I did a podcast about this. And we explained this, that it was because Carrie Fisher couldn't reach blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, you shut your mouth. Yeah. But then why doesn't wedge get one? Wedge. Survived yeah, where's wedge? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I guess you can't be racist against wedge, but Chewy like deserves a medal. Agreed. Do, you know, and actually, Chewie's the one, Han Solo, and this comes back to the Han and Greedo scene, but Han Solo definitely didn't want to come back to the Death Star. Chewie was like, look, man, we can't just yeah. leave him in the lurch like that. We got to do something. That's why the, the Han shot first scene is so important, because that scene establishes him as a cold-blooded killer. And by the end of the movie, he's the kind of guy who will give up his reward money to turn around and do what's right. Well, I don't think he donated to the cause. They didn't show that part. He still <laughs> had it, you know. But, well, no, but he, I mean, he risks, that's he a good risks point. everything coming back. Yeah. I mean, because it's on his ship yeah. and he's going at a thing that they thought was a moon. You yeah. know, I mean, the chances of a, a successful attack on that probably pretty low. Cody, why did the Je- uh, Jedi lie or admit the truth to push their agenda? Oh, the Jedi are a very, it's a very troubled religion and they're starting to lose worshipers obviously so they got to do everything they can to uh get people interested in in the gospel um but it's also just a it's like a famous thing about the obi-wan kenobi character is that from a certain point of view he's not lying he's not omitting anything he's telling a story that happens to be the truth just not the truth as we would maybe view it mm-hmm. all right here's another question from alex and katie Okay, Toby, if they split up Luke and Leia so Vader wouldn't sense them and find them, how does he have no idea Leia is his daughter when he captures her? I mean, he he thinks they died, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure, like, Vader, uh, Vader doesn't know he has kids. And, and later he's like, you were smart to hide them from me. But then he's like, Luke, I am your father. How did he find that out? Yeah. By that point, well, at that point... Um... The Emperor, I think, has told him who he is. He says the son of Skywalker must not become a Jedi. Oh. Mm, so maybe they learned somewhere in there. I, yeah, once I think it's explained that once Luke blows up the Death Star, he becomes famous. Because, I mean, it's like, mm. why why was he getting away with going as Luke Skywalker on Tatooine? Well, because it's Tatooine, and no one yeah. looks at the records out there. I mean, it'd be like, do you know the entire population of Mobile, <laughs> Alabama? You know, like... <laughs> That's so true. I think that's how it's explained. And then once he becomes uh-huh. known as the rebel who destroyed the Death Star, they're like, well, who the F is this guy? And they start digging, and then they find mm-hmm. out, oh, he's farm boy from Tatooine with the last name Skywalker. Hmm. He's like, who do we know from Tatooine with the last name <laughs> Skywalker? Right. Oh, in, like, why didn't it come across Vader's desk? But maybe <laughs> who, like, who was that couple we burned while we were on Tatooine? Oh, oh yeah. that's, that's one of my questions, too. We should probably just get into that. So my question was, so Darth Vader was super supervising the stormtroopers. Did he order the death of Owen and Beru Lars? Right. I mean, that's clearly he did. 
And like, surely, like maybe that's when he started to suspect it, you know, or maybe he knew at that point. Cody. Yeah. I think he did order the death. And I think it was, um, him trying to clean up his own past a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah. But again, like, this is like a George Lucas rewrite, like, like, you know, like with, without the prequels, this, this is just a minor plot point, but with the prequels, it becomes interesting. (laughs) Like, Oh, was he cleaning up? Like you're saying, uh, Cody, like it's really cool to think that, like, had George, you know, like Vader went back and killed that family that his mom was married to, like, yeah, yeah, oh, totally. It's like if it, I went back, if we went back to our hometown, Toby, and like, uh, like burnt down the high school or the <laughs> high school building, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, those are actually his stepbrother and step, or at least his stepbrother, right, and his wife. So like, yes. So yeah. Vader killed them. Yeah, but you're right. We go back to <laughs> Bartolio High School. Uh, okay. Cody. This is from Mike D. Okay, so Leia says that she recognizes Tarkin's foul stench. What do you think Tarkin smelled like? I think he just has a very, like, his demeanor is very well known. I think she recognizes his uh, particular brand of uh, inducing fear and terror into his victims. And so she like from the very beginning, she knew uh, it's got to be Tarkin because no one would be this unnecessarily cruel. You know, I love this question. Cause I'm thinking old spice <laughs> or exactly. Yeah. The, the, the grandpa cologne. <laughs> or I was thinking like, it would be like Dracar Noir, you know, he's just like, <laughs> he's just like bathed in it. Like, I think Tarkin <laughs> is a very good smelling guy, you know, like he's, you know, he's an officer in the empire. And so he's probably smell. He just like throws some cool water on and he's just, he's rocking it <laughs> though. Totally. The, but it kind of made me think the person that really probably smells is Darth Vader because does he ever mm-hmm. take that suit off? Because it's also his, his um life support system in there. So if he takes it off, then he's like going without all of whatever, like, yeah, yeah but I know. wonder if he can like, pop his arms and legs off and maybe just clean those like i wonder if those are involved in the life support at all or if he can if he can like at some point just be a little egg with no arms and legs maybe that's what he does in that chamber he must take a bath like like he's got skin under there yeah like you have to get it otherwise you're going to have mold or something now i i watched something on youtube made by somebody probably some obviously people crazier than me that they said that he never really did and that there's like, like all all this stuff that was written in i think it's some sort of book that's now not part of the canon at all like palpatine was making a new suit for him but vader didn't want it and it's just it's kind of a whole lot of backstory oh, but yeah originally his suit was built to be extremely hard for him to move around in like it's right. really ungainly he has to use the force to walk to to use a lightsaber to do anything. Uh, and at first he thought it was Palpatine trying to just buy crap on him and keep him in his place. But eventually he realized that it taught, it gave him much greater control of the force because he was mm. constantly using it in order to survive. Then it just becomes like second nature to him, you know? Yeah. Interesting. You know, and so that, that chamber that he, and I think in the next one, he's caught with his mask off briefly. Um, uh, so it's like a hyperbaric pressure chamber, I think. And I remember reading it about it in one of the books. Um, he wants to get 
off the life support. So yep. like when, he, when yeah. he's in that chamber, he takes off his helmet to challenge himself and see how long he can go without the helmet. And so that's part of his like uh, Sith training or whatever is to try to like, you know, get, a, get away from that suit. That dirty, dirty suit. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I, I've considered, I think Vader smells like patchouli oil. Oh God! <laughs> he's just like has a puka uh, shell necklace too that no one sees. Like he's <laughs> Jesus cross. Yeah. Like maybe we don't see. We never really see him that much from the back. But maybe out the back, you see some like some dreads coming out. You know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, let's get to our questions. Toby, do you got any questions for us? Yeah. So, um, when I was watching it the other day with my my son, who's six he noticed that there were multiple C-3POs on Leia's ship in the first scene. Uh, and so that got us uh, wondering, like, are, is C-3PO like a standard kit that you would buy it, like, <laughs> on the internet, on the galactic internet? and Itachi Station? Like, exactly. <laughs> like, Anakin built C-3PO, but maybe it wasn't, maybe it's like just some box that he ordered from the Boy's Life magazine. You know? Yeah, that's, he was supposed to have, reassembled C-3PO oh. out of parts that he found throughout Watto's junkyard as opposed to, yeah, like designing and building and and creating the operating system and all that. It was more like a put it all back together thing. Yeah, because otherwise people don't get impressed by me uh, building my Ikea furniture. You know? <laughs> like they're, they're not like, oh man, that, that Bob, he really, he's amazing. You know? <laughs> nice That's good. Stuff. You know, yeah. yeah look at that shelf oh that's <laughs> another thing i noticed like during the the movie which i thought was kind of funny like remember when they're in the desert and the sand people came and they knocked c3po down and he lost his arm well if you look at the arm like there's a bunch of just like wires hanging off it mm-hmm. but they get to obi-wan and that arm is on pretty fast so it's mm. just like it seems like i don't know doesn't seem such a like a modular design, you know. Like <laughs> yeah, right. they're soldering all the yeah, yeah, back been together. Yeah, a lot of soldering right. that back in there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, Cody, do you have a question? Um, not really. All right, here's another question I have: How did Darth Vader become Grand Mo- uh, Moff Tarkin's lapdog so easily? Yeah, it's really strange, and it makes it stranger because in the prequels, like he's supposed to be the apprentice. Mm-hmm. And now you're in the episode four and like Vader is kind of uh deferential towards Tarkin, which I get like, he's a very important person, but I would think that Vader would, would be actually either on par with him, like a peer or above him a little bit, like as a, uh, emissary from the emperor. It is strange that, yeah, like, and, and I actually really, I like it. Like it's a cool power dynamic yeah. between the two of them. Um, and it makes me wonder more about, Grand Moff Tarkin and wh- how he came to power and Toby, do you got got another question? Yeah, I was curious. So this is just like this is uh, pulling hairs or whatever here, but like, um, so in the U.S. military, if you're going to be a fire pi- fighter pilot, you have to meet like a strict set of like height and weight and eye requirements. But the, the thing that throws this off for me is Porkins because he's clearly <laughs> overweight, <laughs> like. <laughs> guy who has no business being up in a spaceship like like made me wonder like how did he get up there how did, what you know what are their requirements here well, well obviously go ahead cody i was gonna say it's like uh at the beginning of world war 
one, to join the British Army, you had to be a certain height and you had to be of a certain physical stamina. And then very quickly, they started running out of men who could meet those criteria, but the battles were still being fought and they still needed bodies sent to the front. So I think at a certain point, you're just like, hey, if you'll fly the ship, here's the ship. Mm-hmm. Well, I got I got a couple of ideas. Number one, obviously, there wasn't a running test there. And then number two, like, how did Luke get in there? You know, he just sort of showed up. He's like, hey, like, I I ran like I used to drive stuff around <laughs> on Tatooine. Oh, uh, that's... And, and they're just like, OK, why don't you get an X-Wing? In fact, why don't you lead our last um, <laughs> our last yes. attack run? Because you've never yeah. done this before. Our you most know, important mission. Yeah. And, yeah. In the uh, in the books again, it's explained that the the T sixteen, the Skyhopper that uh, Luke flies back home, has almost identical controls to the uh, X wing. They're actually made by the same corporation, and so it's explained that he's basically already familiar with the controls for the X wing. And then Biggs, his friend, grew up with him and can already attest to his piloting skills. So that's where, I mean, again, given the lax nature of the rebellion, I think he's able to be like, well, I mean, we got this other ship. If he can fly it, might as well. You're all yeah. going to die anyway. Yeah, yeah, the rebellion's wide open to make yeah. your name, Toby. It doesn't even matter. You yeah, know? I mean, originally, Biggs was uh, an Imperial pilot. He, he switched sides. Hmm. Right, and, but then the Academy, it sounds like it wasn't connected to the Empire because they were talking about, and that. oh, I guess it was in that deleted scene. Yeah, the deleted. Yeah, the deleted scene. Uh, they're talking about being drafted into the Empire. Right, right. So I don't know what that academy is, other than a place that Luke doesn't go. I have another question. So, what kind of trash was in that trash compactor? It looks like it was like construction debris. Yeah, and then pee. Yeah, it's like, is this where all the trash goes? Any trash <laughs> on the entire ship, whether it's repairing the ship or whether it's. Yeah, your food waste, you're throwing it all down here. (laughs) Including live creatures? Right. Giant, yeah, giant live creatures. Um, It's strange, yeah. Uh, Especially you figure, like, that's a relatively new space station that was built in outer space. Like, did somebody smuggle on, like, a pet underwater snake thing and then, like, uh, you know, yeah. got caught and they let it loose in the yeah. trash compactor, like an alligator, just like in Florida. <laughs> you know, <Exactly>. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, uh, I mean, I think they're still under construction a little bit. So, like, I guess the construction stuff has to go somewhere, or like the only trash everyone has are like gigantic iron beams. You know, for whatever yeah, reason, right. you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, oh, here's my, I, I got something to eat, and it's it comes within like. A big granite uh, block or something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I gotta throw it down the trash can with like with all my urine, you know. Well, and is it normal to have like like the door in the trash, like you know, (laughs) like Like, do you need to go in? Well, maybe you might need to go in there. Like maybe, like you want to pet your uh, little your (laughs) pet trash monster, you know, like. (laughs) uh and i guess maybe you need to scrape it down a little bit or something once in a while yeah yeah all that gunk probably at some point you need to send someone in there to service (laughs) the machinery right okay 
All right. Anything else that we have for the end of this movie? Mm. No. Well, Cody, thanks a lot for being on. Toby, thanks for being uh, uh, being on as well. Yeah, thanks for having Thank me. Thank you. All right. And the Aging Hipster Star Wars Rewatch is produced by Bob Serrano and Toby Crines. You can follow me on Twitter at Bob Serrano 5 You can email me at agenthipsternetwork at gmail.com. Subscribe to the podcast on it. Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean. Great. And leave kind reviews. Thank you so much for listening. May the force be with you.